The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes, and I know everybody's real jacked up for this Eagles-Saints divisional playoff round game coming up here on Sunday, and this is not a typical BGN Radio episode. We're going to be doing a, a new feature here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed called BGN Memories, and uh, the reason I want to do this is uh, this is just going to be a, a shorter podcast, probably in the, the 20 to 30 minute range. Maybe sometimes even a little bit shorter than that. Maybe sometimes we go a little bit longer. But um, what I lack in the X's and O's expertise that you normally hear from Kisten Solak, I more than make up for in the fact that I'm going to die before either one of those two guys. And so uh, I've been watching three decades of Eagles football going all the way back to the beginning of the Buddy Ryan era. And, um, you know, this Eagles franchise has played a lot of games over the last three decades or so. And in particular, they have played the New Orleans Saints a number of times during the playoffs. And on this episode of BGN Memories, I'm going to take a look back at all three previous Eagles Saints games in the postseason, including two that took place in the Superdome. So it is a, a longer history between these two franchises in the postseason than you would ordinarily think about. These two teams have played each other in 1992, in 2006, and in 2014. And the Eagles are 1-2 in, in their franchise history against the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs. And the first game we're going to take a look at tonight was the first year of the Richie Kotite era in 1992. And really, this, this is a team that consisted in Entirely of Buddy Ryan guys. Now, uh, you have to. I got to put this this playoff game into context because it really was during a course in the Eagles franchise history when not a lot had gone right. For th- for those of you who have grown up on this current Eagles team and the Eagles teams of the Andy Re- Andy Reid era moving forward, you don't really understand the pain that a lot of Eagles fans felt 
before the Andy Reid era began. And it's one of the reasons why the Super Bowl win last year was so emotional for so many of us. And it's because of the stretch of football that I'm going to talk to you about right now. Before the Eagles beat the Saints in the 1992 wildcard playoff, it had been 18 years since this franchise had won a playoff game. The last time they had won a playoff game before the 1992 uh, ups, uh, playoff game against the New Orleans Saints was the 1980 NFC Championship game against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the game that got the Eagles into the Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders. And coming into 1992, in the last three years of the, Buddy, of the Buddy Ryan era, the Eagles had been knocked out of the playoffs in each in the first round in each of those three seasons. Um, in 1988, the Eagles lost to the Bears in the Fog Bowl game, which you heard a lot about last week because the Eagles were playing the Bears in Soldier Field once again. In 1989, Randall Cunningham was absolutely brutal, and the offense sucked in a home playoff loss to the Rams. And in 1990, just weeks after beating the Redskins at the Vet in the body bag game, the Redskins came back to Philadelphia and got their revenge in a wild card round victory by beating the Eagles in Buddy Ryan's final game as Eagles head coach. That was that was a tough one because we all remember the body bag game. And what a lot of Philadelphians forget is that Washington got the last laugh that season, everybody. And the Eagles then missed the playoffs in 1991 despite going 10-6. and six. A loss to the Cowboys in the penultimate week of the season ended their playoff hopes and Perhaps the greatest defense in NFL history was forced to watch the postseason from home after Randall Cunningham was lost for the season after getting his knee blown out in the second quarter of the first game of the season. People of a certain generation remember that as the Bryce Pop game, named after the defensive lineman who dove into Cunningham's knee with his helmet and tore up his ACL. And I remain convinced that Eagles team was winning the Super Bowl that year. If Randall Cunningham had stayed healthy, they're winning the Super Bowl. As it, as it was, Jim McMahon came in as the backup, but he was hurt for most of the season. And you had guys like Brad Gable and Jack Kemp trying to to win football games. And it just there's a it's a miracle they won ten games that season anyway. And then in the summer of 1992, coming into the 92 season, just months before the start of the season. All-world defensive tackle Jerome Brown was killed in a car accident, and that devastated the team. They dedicated the 1992 season to Jerome's memory. Randall Cunningham was also coming back from his ACL tear, and so there was the I'll-be-back scrambling hats that were out everywhere. So this 1992 team had a lot of juice to it coming into the season. And... They started off red hot, came out of the gates on fire, ran, ran their record to 4-0 and after a huge Monday night beatdown of the Dallas Cowboys at home. And then they hit the skids in the middle of the season before a late season rally got them to 11-5 and and a wildcard playoff game on the road in New Orleans against the Saints. Again, Richie, Richie Kotite was the head coach of that team. But again, this was done with Buddy Ryan's guys. And like I said, this was a fan base coming into this playoff game that had seen their team lose three straight playoff series in the first round and had gone 18 years without a playoff victory. Contrast that to now. The Eagles have won 14 playoff games since the year 2000. Only the Patriots with 27 and the Ravens and Steelers with 15 each have more than the Eagles since 2000. So you go from a franchise that went 18 years between winning a playoff game and now a franchise that has won 14 since the year 2000. 
it's a different era, kids. And, and that's what we're looking at here as we enter this game in 92. Things started off slowly for the Eagles as the Saints took the opening drive for a 7-0 lead, but the Eagles answered back with this 57-yard strike from Cunningham to Fred Barnett to tie the game at 7-7. He's going for a bunch. Fred Barnett, touchdown. That'll quiet him down from 57 yards away. And if you're going to go deep, Fred Barnett's the guy to go deep to. Barnett would have a monster game in this one, and we'll have some more heroics from him a bit later on. However, the Eagles watched as the Saints scored a Morton Anderson field goal and then a Quinn early touchdown in the second quarter. Ball is a man in motion. but a touchdown nevertheless to Quinn Early. And the Saints lead it 17-7. And that was the score at halftime. And the Saints then extended that lead to 20-7 after another Anderson field goal in the third quarter. And all of Philadelphia, I remember watching this game just thinking, here we go again. We talk about Nick Foles being a clutch quarterback. In the first half of this New Orleans game, you could already see the narrative being written. This was going to be another first-round choke job by this group of Eagles players who we have now all come to revere in the decades since these guys all played. Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Randall Cunningham, Keith Byers, Calvin Williams, Fred Barnett, all those different guys. You know, it was Eric Allen, uh, Wes Hopkins, Seth Joyner. This time it was going to be different. Once... Once Morton Anderson hit that field goal to go up 20-7, to the Eagles decided to stop screwing around. A Roger Ruzek 40-yard field goal cut the deficit to 20-10, to and then Cunningham and Barnett hooked up for what would be the turning point of the game. Cunningham going deep. Touchdown! Fred Barnett, a diving catch, spectacular catch from 35 yards away. zone he can do it against double coverage here it is again they had double coverage they have two guys on him Fred Barnett goes up and catches the ball this was an incredible play by Barnett he went up into the air skied full extension went above the rim as Chris Collinsworth likes to say in between two defenders and did a nesty splash into the end zone catching the ball for his second second touchdown of the game. In all, Arkansas Fred caught four balls for 102 yards with two touchdowns on the day. He and Calvin Williams actually teamed up to form a pretty fearsome duo on the outside for Cunningham in 1992. Barnett caught 67 balls in 92 for 1,083 yards and six touchdowns, while Williams, as the number two receiver, caught 42 passes for 598 yards and seven touchdowns, one more than Fred Barnett. And that Barnett touchdown made the score 20-17. to and it is at this point that Saints quarterback Bobby Bear began to disintegrate right in front of our eyes. Bear Passes picked off right in the middle. Seth Joyner made the interception. Nobody was close. That Seth Joyner interception in Saints territory set the Eagles up for another touchdown, this one by bruising running back Heath Sherman, who emerged in the second half of the season to overtake Herschel Walker as the team's leading runner for a six-yard touchdown that put the Eagles on top 24-20. to Third down, Heath Sherman. He'll have the first down. He'll have the touchdown. 
six yards out. The Eagles take the lead. And now you could just feel it. The Eagles had taken over the Superdome, and Bobby Bear and the poor New Orleans Saints, who at this point was still, for all of their history, a completely hapless organization as well. You could just feel the tide had turned. The momentum was on Philadelphia's side, and the waves were crashing on Bobby Bear. After being pinned back near his own goal line, Reggie White came through the line for a sack and a safety on Bear. That's why Reggie White is an impact player, and that goes all the way back to the first play in the fourth quarter. Safety. That is a safety. Process, he runs right over Bobby Abair. See, he's coming from Abair's right, knocks Stan Brock down, runs over him, and knocks Abair down for a two point safety. And then the amazing thing about it for an old defensive lineman, he even knows the signals right. for a safety. That made the score 26-20. A Ruzek field goal followed to make it 29-20, and then Eric Allen put the icing on the cake, the little cherry on top. The loss of Jerome Brown devastated this Eagle team. Andy Harmon was one of the guys who stepped in to help. Here's Hebert back to throw. Picked off by Eric Allen. And get ready for Dallas. The Eagles. That 18-yard interception return for a touchdown made the score 36-20, to and the Eagles finally got that postseason win that had eluded them for the previous four years. Cunningham finished the game with a 92.4 passer rating, going 19 for 25 for 219 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. It was easily the best playoff game of his career. He threw for more yards in the Fog Bowl, but also had three interceptions, and of course they lost that game. And don't forget, Cunningham had gotten pulled in the Redskins playoff game in 1990 as Buddy Ryan was just trying to do anything to try to save his job because he knew he loses that game against the Redskins. Norman Brayman wanted Buddy Ryan out anyway. It's unlikely that anything other than a Super Bowl win and maybe even a Super Bowl win wouldn't have been able to save Buddy his job. But uh, certainly losing that game in 1990, the third straight year they had been kicked out of the first round of the playoffs, was enough, was enough to... Um, Earn Buddy, um, well, it wasn't fired necessarily. His contract was not renewed, but we all know what that means. Buddy Ryan was let go. And uh, 1992, Rich Kotite cleaned up with Ryan's guys and finally got that postseason win that Philadelphia had been craving for its first in 18 years. Um, one of the unsung heroes in that game, of course, was Sherman, who ran the ball 21 times for 105 yards, most of them just running over people. Heath Sherman was just a little bulldozer, and he was he had a, he had a nice stretch run in the second half of 92. Never did much after that, but for that playoff run, he was, he was outstanding for the Eagles, gaining really tough yards when they needed it. Unfortunately, the Eagles' playoff run ended the, following, ended the following week, getting blown out by the Cowboys in the divisional round of the playoffs, 34-12. That was, of course, what spurred the Cowboys on to the first of three titles in the Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin trio uh, that they would get three in four seasons. And uh, the Eagles just completely outclassed in Dallas after outclassing Dallas in Philadelphia on that Monday night game in week four of the season. Just a, a bitterly disappointing end to a season that I think a lot of us thought that 1992 Eagles team had a real chance to win the Super Bowl. They seemed to have all the pieces. But for whatever reason, that group of guys just couldn't keep it together. And then, and then after 1992, it all fell apart. Free agency came to the NFL, and everybody left. 
Reggie White left for the Green Bay Packers. Everybody left. Uh, Randall Cunningham got hurt again in 1993. The Eagles didn't make the postseason, and it was just it was a it, it turned into a nightmare. Norman Brayman didn't want to pay anybody, didn't believe in free agency, and the Eagles lost every sing just about every single good player that they had. We know Rich Kotite oversaw the 1994 utter collapse of a team that went seven and two to start the season and then lost their last seven games to finish seven and nine. That was in Jeff Lurie's first season owning the team and then you know we moved on to the Ray Rhodes era and uh, and the, the team transitioned into a whole other time but that 1992 season still one of the most memorable of my life and it was just that that New Orleans playoff win was so cathartic because it made you realize these guys can win a playoff game and coincidentally that would be the very last time anyone would beat the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. The last time the Saints have lost a playoff game at home was that 1992 Eagles loss. Because in 2006, the Eagles would get another crack at the Saints in the playoffs, in the Superdome. Now, I wrote about the 2006 season for BGN uh, a little while ago, back in November, I think, because the 2006 season was a lot like this 2018 season. The Eagles were 5-6 and six after 11 games in 2006 and, and just looked dead in the water. They, they had no shot. And they had to play the Carolina Panthers um, in, in, for their 12th game of the season, which I think was week 13. And then they had all three division rivals on the road in three straight weeks before finishing up against the Atlanta Falcons at home. They had also lost their starting quarterback, Donovan McNabb, for the season with backup quarterback Jeff Garcia taking over. Now, I know the Eagles have had some luck with backup quarterbacks in their time, haven't they? We know what Jeff Garcia did in that 2006 season. Remember A.J. Feely coming through and uh, mopping up the, what was it, the 2002 season after Donovan McNabb had to miss the last few weeks? Um, the Eagles ran the table, finishing 10-6 and six and won the NFC East. So here they are in the wild card round, having beaten the New York Giants at home on a less second field goal by David Akers to make to win 23 to 20 in a heart stopper, and then had to go into New Orleans to play a Saints team that also went 10 and 6 during the regular season and won the NFC South, but that 10 and 6 record was enough to earn the Saints a first round bye in the playoffs. That must have been nice. And so into New Orleans we go. This was the first postseason game played by the Saints at the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina, a building that had obviously seen a lot of suffering in the days following that storm, so there was a lot of emotion in the building for that game. And the game started off in the Eagles' favor with a hit that has become legendary in Eagles lore, and all you need to know are two names, Sheldon Brown and Reggie Bush. Lines up as the tailback. Breeze swings it out to Bush, and the ball is knocked away, and an incomplete pass, and a crunching hit put on by Sheldon Brown. Jim Johnson because he brought pressure, but he still had Sheldon Brown out in the flat to come and put up a big hit. Reggie Bush was completely exposed. Despite that hit, the Eagles fell behind 6 to nothing thanks to two John Carney field goals. But early in the second quarter, Garcia hit wide receiver Dante Stallworth on a long bomb downfield to put the birds on top. Again, Garcia flushed from the pocket, and he has Dante Stallworth wide open. And Stallworth, in a foot race to the end zone, goes in for the touchdown. So they worked on Fred Thomas, as was their plan, and a 75-yard pass. In a game that would seesaw back and forth, the Saints retook the lead on a Reggie Bush four-yard run. 
He recovered after that brutal hit to terrorize the team that day with 74 all-purpose yards to make it 13-7. But just before halftime, the Eagles went back on top thanks to a one-yard touchdown run by Brian Westbrook soaring over the top of the offensive line to make it 14-13 heading into the break. Now, it could have been more because with just a few seconds to go, New Orleans was forced to punt. I think it was like uh, 24 seconds on the clock, and they were deep in their own territory. And the Eagles, I don't know, I still to this day don't know if it was a fake punt by New Orleans or whether there was just a blocking breakdown, but the Eagles had a man completely unblocked running right toward New Orleans punter, and the New Orleans punter saw him, stopped his punting motion, and then just ran 15 yards for a first down. I don't think it was a trick play. I think there was a total breakdown, and the Eagles just missed tackling the punter back at his own 20-yard line or blocking or potentially blocking a kick or forcing a fumble. That could have given the Eagles another three points, three points that would have been huge in this game. Uh, after halftime, however, Westbrook once again hopped into the scoring sheet with an electrifying 62-yard run that put the Eagles up by eight, 21-13. Second down and four. Here's Westbrook, first down. Maybe for not. Westbrook, and there's Westbrook racing to the 20-yard line. One man has a shot at him, and he gets in for the touchdown. Carry Josh Bullock's in for the score. 57 yards for Westbrook. And that is his second touchdown of the game. Westbrook had a monster game for the Eagles with 116 yards on just 13 carries and two touchdowns on the day. But unfortunately, the Saints and running back Duke, Duke, Duke McAllister, well, you know what? They outperformed Brian Westbrook. He was heating up with two, scoring two straight touchdowns in the third quarter to give the Saints the lead 27 to 21. First and goal from the five. Here's McAllister trying to push the pile, and he does a good job of it. He gets in, touchdown! That's an unbelievable job of that offensive line of keeping their feet moving. On the day, McAllister rushed for 143 yards on 21 carries and added another touchdown through the air. The Eagles would add a field goal with 11.08 in the fourth quarter to make it a 27-24 game, but couldn't get into position to tie the game with, with lots of time left on the clock. They did get one more shot towards the end. And the ending of this game was especially infuriating for a couple of different reasons. As the Eagles were driving, with just under two minutes left, they had appeared to convert a fourth and ten play to keep the drive alive and put them within about 10 to 15 yards of field goal range and tying the puppy up. But it was not to be. Garcia gets pressure. And the pass is caught and picking up his Hank basket. And a flag back down at the 40-yard line. Penalty marker down. There was no play. Before the snap, false start. We talked about it. The noise down here, it definitely affected them, and that's why they got the offsides on that play. Can you believe that you handle the crowd noise the entire night? You get to a fourth and ten with the season on the line. Scott Young. Young inside flinches a little bit. The first time that you struggle with the crowd noise with a penalty on that play, what a great job by Jeff Garcia standing in there delivering the ball to Hank Basket. So not only was that a killer false start, the Eagles then, at, with, uh, with a 4th and 15, decided to punt the ball back to New Orleans with under two minutes left in the game. Now look, I know that the Eagles had all three timeouts left. And so the argument is you pin the, you pin the Saints deep, 
You, you force you, you force a three and out with your defense, use your timeouts, and get the ball back in good field position rather than go with fourth and 15. Wh- which odds are better? I guess I'm just so used to seeing Doug Peterson go for it in these situations to to have destiny in his own hands as opposed to kicking it away and, and hoping that the Saints don't convert a first down that I was just I would have just expected the, the Eagles to go for it. And I was shocked when I rewatched the game and saw that they punted, that Andy Reid punted the ball away. They had the ball near their own 40, and given how McAllister had been running all over them all game, I do not think the Eagles should have punted the ball back to the Saints, but instead they did, and Reed went the coward, coward route, asked his defense to get a stop, and when they couldn't, the Saints ran out the clock and won the game. On the day, Jeff Garcia went 15 for 30, not a great completion percentage, but for 240 yards and a touchdown, Breeze was 20 for 32 for 243 yards and a touchdown in a tense, tightly fought battle. It was a great game. It just didn't go the Eagles' way, and I think I think Andy Reid really screwed that game up at the end by not going for it on 4th and 15. I know it's 4th and 15, but I hate punting the ball away and asking your defense to get a stop in that situation, especially when your defense hadn't been able to stop the New Orleans running game all day long. New Orleans would then lose the following week in Chicago in the NFC Championship game against the Bears. Finally, we move along to 2014, which was the height of chip mania in Philadelphia. It's almost easy to forget nowadays, isn't it, that Chip Kelly was the, the, man, was the head coach of this team? I really sometimes forget he existed in this town because of all the success Doug Peterson has had su- succeeding him. And, you know, there was a time, though, when Chip Kelly was the savior of this football team. He'd led the Eagles this year from a 4-12 and record the season before in Reed's last year to a 10-6 and record and the NFC East title. Started the season with Michael Vick at quarterback, but Vick suffered a hamstring injury in Week 6, and then Nick Foles took over. And Foles, as we all remember went on a kill-crazy rampage at quarterback, going 8-2 and two as a starter. He threw 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions in Chip Kelly's offense, good for a 119.0 passer rating that season. Now, as we watched Foles, we didn't really think he was the long-term answer quarterback because he wasn't a fit with the Kelly offense. It was argued at the time that Chip needed a running quarterback to operate his RPO system properly, which is obviously something Foles is not. But they made it work that year, and going into the playoffs, nobody wanted to play the Eagles. But in came Drew Brees and the Saints to Philadelphia for a wildcard showdown at the link. The Saints were the number six seed, and the Eagles were the number three seed. Of course, the Breeze-Foles matchup uh, that day was a rematch that is set for this weekend. We all know these two both attended the same high school in Austin, Texas, Westlake High School, 10 years apart from each other. Uh, That rivalry, of course, was talked about quite a bit in the days leading up to the game in 2014. And, of course, it's been a part of the narrative leading up to the game this weekend against New Orleans. The game got off to a slow start offensively as both teams were trying to find their footing. Neither team scored in the first quarter, and the Saints jumped on top with a Shane Graham field goal in the second quarter, but the Birds would answer back inside the two-minute warning. Again, a three-man rush all night in the pocket, and then the pass is caught by Cooper. Touchdown. That 10-yard strike from Foles to Riley Cooper was insane as Foles held the ball with virtually no one around him for about five and a half seconds in the pocket before throwing it to Cooper in the end zone. The Saints, as you heard, were just rushing three and just they didn't come anywhere near Foles. They just sat back there, just bouncing around, looking for his guys and finally found Cooper in the end zone. Cooper, later in the game, would absolutely kill 
the Eagles because there is a play where Foles is th- throws a beautiful ball to a, a crossing Cooper about uh, seven to eight yards in front of him. But there is there are no Saints around Cooper, and Cooper seems to know it. And he starts looking downfield before he catches the ball and misses the bunny right in front of him. He could have gone for 40 or 50 yards, might have scored on the play which would have been a huge turning point in the game as it is the Eagles had to punt um, and did not take advantage of that. And I still believe Riley Cooper probably wakes up in a cold sweat thinking about that play. He should because you got to get catch that ball, Riley. That's the play still bugs me. I saw, I saw it as I was watching that game again this week and it still gets me upset. <laughs> um, Anyway, the 10-yard strike from Foles to Riley Cooper was insane. The Eagles go on top 7-6, to six, heading into the locker room. But then the Saints, uh, pardon me, no, the Saints did manage to add a field goal just before the half uh, to make it 7-6 to six Eagles going into the locker room. The Saints then went on the march in the third quarter with Lance Moore hauling in a 24-yard touchdown pass from Drew Brees to make it 13-7. to seven. That was followed by a Mark Ingram four-yard touchdown to make it 20-7 to seven New Orleans, and things were not looking good for Philadelphia at home. But Nick Foles and LaShawn McCoy led the team back with under a minute to go in the third. McCoy scored on a fourth and one from a yard out to make it 20 to 14. The play clock down to six. It's fourth and goal. Avant comes in motion to the inside. Play clock at one. They just do get it off. And McCoy goes in for the touchdown. Alex Henry and Shane Graham traded fourth quarter field goals to make it 23 to 17 Saints. But Ben Foles led the team down for the go ahead score with 454 left connecting with, hey, did you know he was still on the team in 2000 that he was on the team in 2014? Rookie Zach Ertz with the go ahead touchdown to make it 24 to 23. Jackson moving. Take to McCoy. Foles guns it. Kind of funny, it's a good chance Foles to Ertz will once again play a huge role in the game on Sunday. That's a winning connection from Super Bowl 52. We should we should have known it right then and there that Foles to Ertz would be clutch. Now, you may have heard people always joking about the Foles leaving the field with the lead. Well, this is the game they're talking about because Foles left with the lead with 4.54 left on the clock after not playing a very good game at all. He was not very good in this game. 23 for 33 for just 195 yards and two touchdowns, although that was worth a 105 rating because of the completion percentage and the lack of turnovers. But Breeze, meanwhile, went 20 for 30 for 250 yards, but he had a lower passer rating because of the two interceptions to go with his touchdown for a rating of 75.7. However, However, Breeze had the ball last, and with 4.54 left in the game, the Saints slowly bled the clock as they moved into field goal range, picking up first downs, and there was nothing the Eagles could do to stop them. Finally, Shane Grand stepped forward with three seconds left and a 32-yard field goal standing right in front of him, and folks, there would be no double doink on this play. From 32. Right down Broad Street. And the crowd dead silent. So Chip Kelly's only playoff game with the Eagles ended in a 26-24 
home field wild card loss, and he would never coach another postseason game again as an NFL head coach. We all know how the Kelly saga ended in Philadelphia. He would go 10 and 6 in 2014, but missed the playoffs after a big late season collapse. He was then fired with one game left in the 2015 season after going 6 and 9 and coaching a team that just looked like it had nothing going for it. They had stopped listening to Chip Kelly. It was clear um, to a lot of us that Kelly needed to go, and Jeffrey Lurie did it. Of course, his replacement was Doug Peterson, and we all know how that worked out. And now we have Foles versus Breeze 2.0 this week, and only this time it's in a tougher place to play in the Superdome. So the Eagles have their work cut out for them. Maybe they still have this going for them, that they are the last team to beat the Eagles in the Superdome. However, I don't think it really has anything to do <laughs> with with the team going in there this Sunday afternoon at four at four forty Eastern time. I think it's still at four forty Eastern time once again. Uh, the Eagles taking on the heavily favored Saints in the Superdome. But these two teams have a very interesting playoff history, and I'm really guess I'm guessing that we are going to see yet another close game between these two teams on Sunday afternoon. But folks, that'll do it for this episode of BGN Memories. If you liked it, uh, please uh, leave a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Uh, let me know what you think. And if you wouldn't mind, leave a review for all of the shows at Bleeding Green Nation, uh, the Kisten Solak Show, BGN Radio, and uh, the SCO Show, all the other shows we have for you here on Bleeding Green. And thank you all uh, for, for downloading and for commenting and for rating the show. You got us up into, the, up into the top 30, the top 30 podcasts in sports and recreation on Apple Podcasts. That is insane, guys. And we can't thank you enough uh, for listening to the podcast and for telling your friends about it and for the rating ratings and the reviews. Please keep them coming. We want to stay up there because we know you are jacked for this game on Sunday. Don't forget to check out the Kist and Solak shows coming up this week. And of course, I will be back with Brandon Lee Gowton on Thursday night for yet another, what we hope is not the last BGN Radio preview show of the 2018, now the 2019 season. Anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.